I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode of Street Soldiers on sports and unity. What we wanted to take a look at is the effect that sports is having on society, the players, the fans, and especially and increasingly our communities where athletes are going back to neighborhoods that they came from to do positive things, where professional athletes are pitching in across the board, across racial, societal, all types of divides to come together and really make a united stand to uplift our youth. There's just so much going on. And not to mention the great uh, successes that our guests have had that have changed their lives. So we're going to find out all about that right now on this episode of Street Soldiers. Joining me is uh, George Martin. He's a former New York Giants Super Bowl 21 champion. He's been very involved in giving back throughout his entire career. George, thank you so much for being with us. My pleasure. Thank you. We really appreciate it. Also with us is Kamani Davis. He's a former rugby player and currently a professional uh, trainer. He grew up in the Grant Houses in Harlem. Kamani, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you. We appreciate it. Also with us is Rachel Breton. She's a former NWSL professional soccer player. Rachel, thank you so much for being with us. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, Lisa. Thank you. Rachel, I want to start with you. As you see as, as you see sports expanding in more professional capacities to give more opportunities to girls and women, what kind of effect do you see that having on these girls that are coming up? It's a good question. Um, and it's a, it's a mixed answer. Uh, I think right now, you know, part of me is envious because uh, these, these uh, athletes, now they have a plethora of things and uh, resources to navigate, right? Uh, when I was playing, we kind of had one thing <laughs> and it was, it was one antidote. There was, it was just, you worked hard and let's see if you could do it. Now you have a lot of these now, I guess, acronyms, um, academies, different avenues. Um, now you can record your own, you know, games and, and highlight reels. And there are collegiate camps that you could attend to. There's again, uh, so many opportunities for these athletes, which I think is a positive thing because exposure, exposure. Uh, but in the same breath, I think it could be overwhelming because now, especially for us that are the mentors and trying to guide, um, it's really tough to tell them, hey, this is the navigation that you should be using or this is the, you know, A plus B equals C. The formulas don't exist anymore. And I think a lot of parents and athletes get kind of overwhelmed uh, and kind of stressed out, right? Which could be a positive thing and also a negative thing. So I think it's um, it's a it's a different breed right now. But I think the more resources is great. You know, that, that's that's the positive that you could take out of it for sure. More opportunities, George Martin. You you had a long and successful career in the NFL. You've seen a lot of changes with the fans, with the the game, the way people look at the game, and the the, the whole thing. Are there certain basics that you just adhere to? to be as successful and win that ring in your career? Because yes, social media wasn't there around when you were playing in the Super Bowl, but you st I mean, does it change from, you still, don't you still have to put in the practice and the hard work? Oh, absolutely. Without question. And I think that's what the word uh, professional denotes is that you're not playing uh, a particular sport. You're working. It's actually a vocation. It's your job. And it's something that I've always taken uh, seriously. And, and that's how I survived for 14 years. But I think also you have to be wise enough to realize that at some point in time, it's going to come to an end and you're going to be relatively young when it does. So how do you matric matriculate into something that's meaningful where you can support both yourself and your family? 
And fortunately for me, I got involved in uh, corporate America and I transitioned into corporate America. But I had a plethora of opportunities that uh, also uh, were afforded to me in uh, charities. And we formulated our own charity called Minority Athletes Networking, which was MAN. We went into the inner cities and we had a automatic platform, not because of ourselves, but because of the vocation being professional athletes that that we had. And, and that, as they say, made all the difference. How different would your life have been, George, if you hadn't played football? I think it would have been completely uh, different. We, I was a country boy. I'm from Greenville, South Carolina originally. So my destiny, uh, I think, if it hadn't been for sports, would have been to be a, 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 a farmer like my dad, uh, possibly. But because of the opportunities that were afforded to me here in America, I went on and got my education, uh, eventually got uh, not only my undergrad, but also got uh, two honorary doctorates, which I'm uh, eternally grateful for. And uh, the whole trajectory of my life changed as a result of sports. I know that's amazing. Kamadi, tell us about, about your sports journey, because you, you came from Harlem, came from a, a public housing development there that, that I know quite well. And, and then you went on to play rugby at a time when a lot of people were saying, wait a minute, rugby? We have rugby in the U.S.? Tell us about your journey. Um, first, um, you know, it's not a plug, but I do want to say this opportunity was presented due to rugby. Um, Detective Dartre Belt, who did community outreach in Harlem, who happened to know my mom, who ran the soup kitchen and food pantry at St. Mary's Church for over 25 years. So that was kind of the community that rugby um, has brought. So I discovered rugby in college. I actually helped start my school's rugby team. None of us had background to it. And so through that opportunity, it has allowed me to see the world, literally, and build relationships and come into contact with people. You know, I just try to imagine every day under what circumstance, but I've built these relationships. And so, you know, being a New York, former New York City educator for 24 years, um, Rugby had a deep-rooted foundation in terms of how I lived my life, how I've interacted with my students, what my students have taught me, and what I've brought to the game of rugby. Um, I've always played sports my whole life. Um, what I've ever thought I'd be playing rugby? No. What I ever thought I'd be residing in California with my family? No. You know, you had blinders on, especially, like you said, you know how grand houses are, you know. So just growing up kind of that in that environment, put me in a very, very strong situation and it kind of lived up to that expectation of New York. If you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. So I put that on my shoulders and and here I am now. All right. And you've done you've done a lot of a lot of giving back also too. And you know we want to acknowledge uh, Detective Dark Dark Trey Valk because he's done a lot in the community to to encourage this. And uh, in fact is the reason you're on the show because I ran into him in Harlem um recently. So the in, in terms of what you see with the kids now, is it, is it still one constant that they need, they need to see somebody who they feel can relate to their lifestyle and where they're living and the challenges that they're facing in order to succeed? I'll do you one better. I think, you know, I played, I just retired. I wanted to play the sport long enough so people who look like us could see us on the field. And there's tons of organizations now, uh, one that I helped found, they called uh, Rugby Offering Opportunities to Succeed, Roots Rugby. The Misfits, which is a Caribbean, Afro-Caribbean-based program that finds players and provides them the opportunities to play um, all over the Caribbean. 
And then there's my own program, which is MADE, which stands for My Actions Defy Expectations, which I started as a free fitness and community um, outreach program. And we did fitness sessions every Monday and Wednesday and one inside park for free, which was very ritual. Yeah. That's awesome. When we come back, I'm going to find out what our guests have to say about the current pressures on athletes. Because it's like, if you, you can't make one little mistake without the whole world knowing about it in like 30 seconds. We're going to find out how that's changed uh, the role of professional athletes when we come back. Stay with us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Salute. This is General Steele from Smith & Wesson. And right now you're listening to Street Soldiers with your girl, Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people. Only on Hot 97. God. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Nisa Evers. We're talking about sports and unity and sports' impact on society. We've got an amazing panel. George Martin, he's a former New York Giants Super Bowl XXI uh, champion. Also with us is Kamani Davis. He's a former rugby player and professional trainer. And also joining us is Rachel Breton. She's a former NWSL professional soccer player. Thank you all for being with us for this. Rachel, in terms of as you're, you know, as you were coming up into the, in this in the sport, and you look at the you look at the players right now, there's there's so much attention focused on players at such an like even at the high school level, right? During, at the high school level, whether they they have promise, whether they show you know a lot of potential, but then again, if there's any type of mistake, it can become a TikTok video and go viral, you know, by dinner time. So how, how do you tell? How, how do you you know, when you're talking to athletes and you're talking to the ones that you, you're mentoring and, and, you know, trying to give some advice or they seek you out for advice, how do you tell them to deal with that? Um, yeah, uh, what I do say is that the mistakes are, are always seen. <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's recorded or not. You know, I think now it is a, a positive and a negative, but the way that I was brought up is that you have to always pretend that people are watching you. And people are. You know, they're watching how you warm up. They're watching how you play. They're watching what you do at the you know, outside your community. They're seeing what you do at school. You know, George talked about education. I'm huge on education as well. You know, these things, everyone sees, no matter if it's under the spotlight or as we like to quote, 6 a.m. in the arena when it's just you. Um, you know, I think sports actually like really does save lives. And because we're holding this standard of that you... You have to be excellent, but also we make mistakes, and mistakes actually are the 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 best things about the sport because it just shows growth and growth and growth. Um, so my my advice to the to the youth is make mistakes, you know, and and, and be humble enough to know when it's appropriate to learn from them. Um, but you know, I think a lot of these players they get they get trained to do that under that spotlight, you know. It, it, um, I forgot who, what athlete, but I think it was Jordan. He would train with lights flashing in his eyes, right, to sink those threes. It doesn't matter. If wow. you know that you are who you are, that's the positivity. That's that mindset that is needed. George, what about the, what about that kind of pressure? Because you played at the highest levels of the NFL. You walk out of the arena. You go to the, you're going to the grocery store with your wife or whatever, and people recognize you. And yet in a corporate role, you know, if you had just had had only been in your corporate position, you know, you don't see too many corporate executives that are going out and then people are like, what are they wearing? Who are they with? What kind of car are they driving? That type of thing. What do you think about all that kind of attention now? Because people are really into the nitty gritty of athletes' lives. Yeah, as a result of, uh, you know, social media, there's a, there's a whole... Mm-hmm 
uh, just a microscope uh, of, of individuals who are watching every little nuance that you do. We didn't have that microscope uh, focused on us back in the day, although we did have pressures, don't get me wrong. Uh, but I think it goes back to the fundamental uh, foundation that you get from home. And then thank God I had two parents. I came from a two-parent home. Uh, not a lot of, uh, yeah, I'll say this, uh, people have that 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 good fortune. And so I was given a, uh, a real moral um, uh, under, underpinning uh, as a kid, and I took that with me in life. And I realized that uh, when I went into professional athletes that I have an obligation. And when I was voted as team captain, that obligation not only felt to myself, but also to my teammate and the community. So uh, I think you have to take a, a real introspective look at yourself and realize that, you know, your actions can have a broad range of impact, not only on yourself, but those people who are watching. And if you take that point of view and realize that every little uh, action that you uh, go will be impacting someone else's life, I think you will, um, you will have a better outcome as a result of that. And then basically, once you're a public figure like that, you're, you're a public figure at all times until you're in your house with the doors closed. And and nowadays, not even then. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Kamani, what about the effect, you know, the effect of everything we see in the, in social media about athletes on the kids? Because it's like certain player, the people will copy a hairstyle. They'll copy, oh, you know, look, they even have like, you know, the, the players dress to go to a game. Who's the fashion one? Who's wearing this? You know, for the men, like it's it's gotten to a whole other level. But what what do you see the effect being on the kids? I mean, it has a very, very strong effect. Um, I think being a trainer and also being a coach, it's also putting yourself in a situation like kind of going back, you know, what's been mentioned a few times earlier about making the mistakes and the world is watching and try to encourage them to create their own identity. Um, what I always encourage the students to say is believe in your ability to believe in yourself, which would include like learning from your mistakes, creating your own image, who is it you want to be, um, what do you see for yourself when the game is over? What would your own sneaker look like? Just kind of planting these things in their heads um, at an early age. I train work rate. So it's just kind of paying attention, focus on your job, focus on your responsibility to the team for the outcome. Um, and that games are won or lost with the mentality that you have. So you don't necessarily want to try to be a LeBron. You don't want to be a Pat Mahomes. You want to look at your responsibility based on the relationships that you built with your peers and your teammates around you. Because what you see on the camera, you know, you don't really see the relationships that they have and the responsibility they have, especially if it's a team sport. And Rachel, in, in terms of the, in terms of girls, because it's like you, we, we've come a long way from when it was, you know, I, I could be a tennis player, or I could be a professional swimmer, and then I was a cheerleader or a pom-pom girl or whatever. And that was pretty much, pretty much it. You better get an education. But there's so many different avenues now. Do you see... Those opportunity, you know, do you see those opportunities having a real impact on girls that they feel like there's so many of them? I have some of some of them in my family, and they're they're teenagers. They're doing great in school, but they're also doing great in their particular chosen sport and working really hard at it. And I think that whole team, the fact that these girls are coming up with a team mentality instead of basically like a you know, there's one beauty queen in the whole, you know, in the school or in the arena. One person gets the crown. It's like this is like it's like a team effort. I think that's really changing the way a lot of these girls are relating to themselves and their potential. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that it's um, very much me uh, versus we. I think we're creating a community now where we can focus simply, and I can speak 
specifically to soccer, um, we're a team, right? And we essentially speak our own language together. It doesn't matter if you're playing for the Courage, if you're playing for Gotham, these are you know uh, teams in the NWSL. doesn't matter if you're playing overseas. We are all speaking unitedly uh, a language where like, we understand what it feels like to play for a crowd. We understand what it feels like to play for each other, p- play for something bigger than ourselves. Um, and you're right. Yeah, it's not so much like, and, and don't get me wrong, in any, you know, any sex, any team, there is going to be that one, right? It's going to be that one. Um, I'm not going to the bad right. thing. I'm just saying it's nice also. Oh, no, no, no. Well, we're not working these there's only a few, uh, there's only that 1% within that 1%, right? Um, and I think we all strive for that. But at the same breath, we understand what it's like to be united. And I think that's the biggest thing because um, we can focus on our craft versus uh, against each other's crafts. George, take us take us back to that Super Bowl. The You're there, you're walking into the stadium. I mean, you've been through a, like a whole week of there's like media, there's all this attention, there's all the hype, the whole thing. And then how did you how did you encourage your teammates or how did you tell them to like deal with it to just so that you guys could just bring home that, you know, that trophy? Well, that was the easy part, because uh, as things evolved in the season, you kind of homogenized down that you're the only game in town. It's just you and your opponent. So I, I don't think we had a problem focusing on the enormity of the game. I focused on the consequence, the outcome. And uh, I told him it took me 12 years in the National Football League to get to a Super Bowl. And even then, there was no guarantee that you would win. And, uh, you know, I told them that we would only get back as much effort and energy and desire as we put into it. And thank goodness I had some very good uh, co-captains like uh, Harry Carson and Phil Sims. Uh, the three of us got together in a room and we kind of laid the law down because the previous year we were in the playoffs and we got hammered by Chicago. So we learned from our mistakes. And uh, it, it, thank God we went out and we, we performed and that set the tempo for the rest of our lives because henceforth we were always um, considered champions. And champions take on a role not just on the field of play, but also in, in the field of life. And that's one thing that we tried to uh, certainly communicate to the younger generation of professional athletes that were coming along. And then that champion, that champion mentality, like you're going to go in, you're going to win, you're going to do the job, you're going to make it happen. No matter what aches, no matter you know what's happening, no matter what's going on in your personal life, you're focused and you just do it. Yeah, people call them sacrifices. Well, we tend to call them investments because you're going to get a reward from it. And yes, no matter what obstacles lie in your way, you've got to deal with it. You got to you know, obviously uh, eliminate it. I agree, George. Yeah. <laughs> the pain we choose. We're choosing pain. Yeah. <laughs> Also, just to go back to your point real quickly, when you talked about the youth um, oh. and, you know, here speaking about the uh, the 1%, always also say to my students or athletes, that is earned. Like those sneakers, those hoodies, those bags, those players worked really hard to be able to have their own signature shoe. So, you know, the shoe is not going to make you a better athlete. You should have to have your own shoe. You should work just as hard. You know, those are earned. Those things are earned. Kabani, what kind of impact did did your playing rugby have and and developing you know in in that arena have on your life from what what other alternatives there might have been? Um, like I said, I I'm gonna you know be honest. I was blessed. I was probably raised in that era, the last era when the projects was the safe haven before crack, you know, infiltrated. We had to like leave the block to really 
you know, you really only have problems if you were from another housing project. So I was very, my brothers were good, uh, strong athletes. My mom was a pillar in the community. Uh, my brothers were 18 years older than me. So everybody who went through whatever they went through uh, kind of came together and supported and fostered me. They made sure I went to college. They made sure my books were taken care of. And so we always have this negative image. You know, grant projects in, unfortunately, you know, is not the grant projects that is now. The, the projects that I grew up in was still family oriented. We had our own, you know, police. We had our own, it was very black, middle class, working class. So I see myself having a positive outcome, but it was because the community was still together. So no, very alternative together there. They had the, the yeah. like you said, and residents stayed there. There wasn't a lot of moving in or moving out. There were a lot of people yeah. there for years. Their parents had lived there and that type of thing. Well, we come back. I'm going to ask our panel about the fan frenzy. Fans, do, do fans ever get like out of control? What about some of the parents of players too? They can get a little bit uh, crazy with this to personally myself. Um, so we're going to talk about that final what our guests have to say when we come back. Stay with us. Hey, what up, y'all? This is Lloyd, the King of Hearts, and this is Street Soldiers with Lisa Evers. Real issues, real politics, and real people only on Hot 9-7. You did. Welcome back to this episode of Street Soldiers on sports and society, the unity that sports provides to so many of us in our world today. Joining me for this conversation, George Martin, he's a former New York Giants Super Bowl XXI champion, corporate executive, and a humanitarian in many of our communities. Also with us is Kamani Davis. He's a former rugby player, professional trainer, and educator, also doing a lot of work in the community. And also with us is Rachel Rutten. She's a former NWSL professional soccer player and also very involved with educating other players as well. Rachel, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Rachel, what about the what about the fans? Do you think fans are too entitled today? <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I could if I could say that because uh, if we don't have fans, we don't have our jobs, right? Right. <laughs> we someone's got to pay for something. Uh, but I think uh, I think they they definitely. I don't know what the 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 right word would be, but I think we care a lot about the fans. Um, and I think you, you what a quote, you got to give the fans what they want a little bit. Um, but uh, entitled, I don't know if I can say that. I can say parents though. <laughs> parents, maybe, maybe like going up to the, going up to the coach is like, why didn't you play my daughter? Why didn't you? She's so much better than that girl. Right. Yeah. We're a little, we're a little unhinged right now <laughs> with all that. Kamani, what about what about when you were coaching the the kids? It's like the the parents. The parents can get very excited and involved. Um, I've had an experience where I've seen them get so loud and so overwhelming. I've had to tell my parents that I've worked with before. We need to settle down, or you're going to come run right along with the kids next practice. You know, it's it's you know, um, is it even that the message behind it was you have no idea how hard your kids work, how hard. Um, they prepare how hard the coaches, the reps take the time to prepare to provide this safe environment. It's not your platform. It's their time and respect their time. So, you know, that's, that's, that's how I treat it with the parents. So yeah, you, the language and, and the attitude, the, the abusive language towards the reps, um, even their own kids, you know, I've experienced some things and it's just kind of like, 
that was kind of the beauty of me being the dean of the school at the same time. Like I've had to call parents and have sit downs and talk about, you know, what are you choosing to model in front of your kid um, in regards to that behavior and what it, what sports mean. So I'm going to drive a three over to New Jersey. <laughs> you can do that over here. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. George, what about what about that with the fans? Because it's it's also like the NFL now. It's like there's a large percentage of fans are female. Yeah, I mean there has to be a dividing line between uh, you know fanfare and 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 rudeness. And and I have to say this, uh, I think that society has become a little bit un and it's become more confrontational. It's become more uh, you know it's it's if you look at social media, sometimes it just it, it just frightens me what I see. And you're setting a, 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 an example for younger people to come along, and it's not a good example. Uh, my experience, obviously, is dated because I played so long ago, but I see how it's evolved today where fans become almost immersed in the game as if though they're part of it, an integral part of it, and they're really not. They're a subset of, of, of what sports really is. But uh, I think it's difficult for, uh, for athletes today we call uh, fans are so aggressive and they feel as, as if though there's an entitlement because of their fanfare in a lot of cases. Uh, and you have to be, I guess, smart enough to be able to distinguish between those that are, are pushing the limits too far and those that are really deserving. And I'll show you an example. This is just some of the um, uh, the fan mail that I still get today. Uh, and I have a, it's ridiculous. And I try to answer every one of them. Because that shows me that there's a, a a segment of people out there that are really genuine and concerned. So you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have to make a discernment which are uh, you going to entertain and which you're going to keep on the sideline. But George, what do you think about again too? Like through your through your long career, it's like we 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 see we see with entertainers the throwing stuff at the entertainers' heads. We've seen it with we've seen it in, in a lot of professional sports too. There've been racist rants coming from the from the audience. There's been stuff thrown at. I mean, from the fans. In the stands, there's been things thrown at athletes. There's been all sorts of that. What do you is that just our society at this point, or what do you think about that? Yeah, it it, it does not give me a great deal of, of confidence. Uh, the way things are are devolving in our society, because I've seen it uh, happen all too often, and I got to say this because it has a, a an impact. The way uh, politicians have taken a a, a zero sum game. It's us versus them. And the language that is used, that that is not a great example. And I would like to see uh, more morality imposed upon society as a whole. Uh, the great thing about athletes, we have a leadership uh, role. We are up front and, and uh, we are out there and we can make that difference by saying, hey, that's not acceptable. But we do need, uh, as Kamani said, we need those parents to be supportive of that. Because if they're part of the problem, that doesn't help us in, in uh, finding a solution to what we're facing right now. But Kamani, when you talk, you talk about the parents, and you talk about you talk about the language and, and just the whole atmosphere in our in our our society, and especially in the city, especially you know summertime, everybody's out or whatever. People's tempers are can be short. There, how, how do you? What are there any tools that you give the say like, listen, you have to understand your kids. They're saying these exact words that you're saying. Don't curse at your kid to get them to do something that you want them to do. Like, are there certain certain specific things, examples you you could give us? I think it's just a lot of it's a lot of what preparation do you do before the crisis happens? If that makes sense, you know, um, being a coach, being able to have conversations, or being an educator when you see the small red flags before there's an outburst, before there's an action. It's kind of build the relationship to find out 
you know, what is your social interactions like with your kids? You know, do you, because we actually have parents, you know, we're not necessarily 100% in that mind your own business world. We actually have parents who reach out and say, hey, I'm struggling. How do I do this? I'm struggling myself. And so you say like, you know, do you have, if it's a mother and a daughter, do you have a day and week that you guys just go out for dinner? Like how involved are you? Do you ask your child, how was your day? You'll be surprised at the amount of parents who don't check in with their kids daily. And part of it is because, you know, as it was mentioned before, that they're on the grind, they're working, they're doing 12 hours and they get home and they're tired and they want to be invested in their kid or they believe that by me working and providing, it's taking care. And so the interaction and the role modeling is neglected. So it's just kind of constantly giving those tools, even offering workshops and forms of conversation and interaction, not necessarily being preachy to, you know, just giving them the opportunity to speak their piece and giving them tools to let them know. Because I think community schools have become forts. So it's like this school is better than that school, then that school is better than this school in the same community. But all these kids go into the same projects. All these kids go into the same block. So what kind of baseline work is being done to build those community values? So not just mom and dad are watching everyone. We're starting to rebuild that trust to where I had the pleasure of where we got, of like everybody has eyes on everybody and is taking care and being open to the feedback that everyone else is giving to being able to raise the support. You know, you understand it's, it's like a, a supportive environment. Rachel, what, what, what about that? What's your take on that, especially as it applies to women? Well, I think uh, both of you guys have great points. Um, I actually took notes. So I don't. I saw you for notes. I got something to say. I don't want to interrupt though, because when we got that flow, you, you gotta let go. I'm there. You. But I was gonna say that um, parents are part of the team too, right? So they have, and I think parents and, and mentors also forget that. You know, I always say that. Uh, you know, coaches are supposed to motivate kids, but kids motivate coaches as well. But I would say the same thing with parents in your community, right? Um, it's it's a it, it's like a it's a triangle, right? So if I if I tell an athlete, hey, I'm going to speak soccer wise, keep the ball, right? Keep the ball, keep the ball. I have a parent that says, boot it, boot it. Every everyone that's probably listening loves to hear that. Bro, that just ends like yeah. It's like that's not what we're saying. So you already created a divided conquer. The right. pa- the kid will always listen to the parent. The, the, they hear your voice. That was that was the first voice that they ever heard, right? So you're putting a kid in, in a in a in a between a rock and a hard spot of one, can they develop, and two, can they make their own decisions? Three, they're not going to listen to the coach, and now we're going against the system. So my dad used to be my coach when I was younger, and and it was amazing that he got us to all be on the same page from player to parent to everybody that's involved and then whatever we said whatever was at practice was reiterated at home and it was a true education it was a true growth which i think we're kind of missing right now um and and uh there was this commercial uh that they were kind of flipping it around and saying that the kids would go to the parents uh jobs in their corporate life and just scream in their ear, right? And it was a funny commercial, but it was a good it was a good representation and presentation of this is what you're doing, and you're you're now back to Georgia's word. We're devolving, right? Because we're not going in the direction of growth. We're going uh, in a direction of kind of uh, a limbo. Um, and I think you know, back to the fans' uh, comments. I think that 
yeah, social media is kind of taking its toll and part, and we're just presenting and 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 then therefore enabling poor behavior. And I think as a community uh, in sport, we can if we outdo those negatives, we can do with positives by debunking debunking that right by saying hey there's no tolerance there we're not doing this and the the still pillars of growth and character are the same you know it's working hard it's being respectful that will never go away so just reiterating that i think would make a huge difference to fans parents players everybody everyone definitely um this is three soldiers i'm your host lisa evers when we come back because i know a lot of parents want to know this question how do you raise a kid to be a professional athlete what are the tips what should you not do we're going to find out what our guests have to say while we come back stay with us yeah yeah what up what up what up this is styles peter ghost and this is street soldiers with lisa evers real issues real politics and real people only on hot 97 yeah ghost told you so welcome back to this episode of street soldiers on sports and society we're talking about the impact that our sports has on our society and many of the positive uh, effects that we usually don't get a chance to talk about. That's what we're celebrating today and talking about. We're talking about some of the issues, though, too. Uh, with George Martin, he's a former New York Giants Super Bowl 21 champion. Also with us is Kamani Davis. He's a former rugby player and a professional trainer. And Rachel Breton, she's a former NWSL professional soccer player. All right, the question I want to pose to all of you is a lot of parents, their dream is to have their child play the sport that they love or wanted to play in themselves and have a kid be a success and become a huge professional star. Kamani, what do you, what do you tell them? Well, um, I'm sure. Oh, our- too far for they make that the goal. No, no. I'm sure our two other guests could probably have, you know, deeper input. One thing that I always say to the parents though is if you trust your child enough to be a part of that environment, let the coaches coach, you know, we have a lot of contradicting of what, you know, this, they see their child is, everyone sees their child as the star of the team, you know, a lot of the time, and not realizing it's a team, you know, unless it's tennis or an individual, but even if it's tennis, tennis players have a coach. So it's allow that structure to form, and if you're a good coach, you're going to see that that plan isn't working, you'll make adjustments as a coach. Um, so it's just trust the environment to let, you know, you you reinforce practice, you reinforce, reinforce the academics, the work ethic, you figure out what they learned at practice and you help them reinforce what the coaches, you know, say, provided that, you know, all coaches don't act appropriate either. Let's be clear. Um, but also, you know, monitor and have these interactions just to process, you know, what they've learned, what they've digested, what did they see for themselves and just, just listen, you know, be active parent. You can be active by not yelling. You can be active by not cursing. You can be active. George, George what about, Especially like with football too, because there's some of the players, and you you, you see, you know, I see in interviews uh, with, with some of the players, especially if they're coming from like a, they're coming from a small town or the like a big family, you know, they get the they get drafted, and then it's almost like some of them they're they're not just have to they're not just having to worry about their own career and their own development as an athlete, but they're carrying like the whole town or like the whole family on on their back and. There's there's a tremendous amount of pressure and everybody's living through them for them obviously but like living through them and has opinions on that. What have you seen of that? One of my biggest challenges as not only the um, the captain of the New York Giants but also the team chaplain for the New York Football Giants and subsequently the uh, the executive director of the NFL Players Association 
is I've seen guys come into the league and uh, they are immediately uh, just inundated by what the needs of their families are or those people who are supposed to be good deed doers or supposedly had a, 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 a hand and in, in, invested in that individual. The one thing I would say right off the bat is never, ever uh, train or, or insist that your or kid is going to be a professional athlete. You might as well, you know, take your chances and, and make them an astronaut because it's astronomically uh, against them. And it, yeah. You're fighting. I'm laughing because it's true, right? It can be an exercise of futility. If you put that weight on your child, you're imposing your wishes upon them, your dreams, your aspirations. Let the kid decide for himself or herself what they want to be in life. And then secondly, I think that you've got to realize that just getting there is no guarantee that you're going to stay there. I mean, look at it. The average career of a professional player in the National Football League is this 3.2 year. Okay. Well, yeah, there you go. Right. Yeah. Rachel, you're right on it. And and what do you do? So your, your preparation should be not for professional athletics. It should be for life. Get that college degree. Get that education. And make sure that they are uh, you know, pillars in society, not necessarily projectors for professional sports. Rachel, what about that? I want to know where George has been my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> He's been Listen, how many more jobs does he have to have? It was Captain. He's a chaplain. He's a head with that for the Players Association. He's doing all these charity things all over the place. I mean, I'm sorry. He, I'm sure he wishes he had time to coach you. I, no, I mean, that's about, I, where's his shoe? Where's your shoe? I want to buy, I want to buy George's shoe. Like, I need, I need a pair of yeah, George's. <laughs> right now we're running up, it's George's, LLC. <laughs> we got G's versus J's. He's, he's already top finding someone. They'll be, they'll be, they'll be making a, they'll, coming up with it. The father and son version or the, the mother yeah. or the fatherling <laughs> for the girl dads. The, um. Where Rachel, I because listen, soccer. I mean, soccer has it, it's just like over the last decade and a half or so is is it's exploded. You know, it's like yeah, a huge, it, and especially for the, especially for, especially for the girls. So what about that? Um, I want to backpack on on what uh, George just said too. Like the famous quote is, "Let them eat cake." Right? I think that, and not you know, don't take it too literal, pun intended. Um, but I think that it has to be fun. You know, I, I've gotten a lot of, um, you know, backlash about saying the word fun. But let me tell you, if you don't think any of us on this call did not continue to go to the level that we did, if we did not have fun, you're out of your mind. If you don't think the people that are playing the Super Bowl right now, they have quarterbacks, right? Patrick Mahomes, they're recording him. He's having the time of his life. You know, uh, when Kobe was playing, time of his life. Even though he went Black Mamba. He's still in the time of his life. All these, all these athletes that we love, like even, you know, Serena just retired. All these athletes, they're having the most fun. That is why it's so hard to let go of it because it's a different language. It's a different breed. Um, and I think that, yeah, there's no, exactly what George said. You can make it, but doesn't mean like, you're always going to want more gluttony, right? Like what? maybe, maybe George wanted her his own G's, right? Like <laughs> you always want more. You want more. Um, and it, you're, you're going to be there, but who knows how long you're going to stay and if you will make it and even to the degree of what you wanted to make it, right? Don't think that any uh, professional whatever player didn't want to play for the U.S. And then what? And then what? Right? It's always that. And um, that's that's something that I 100% agree with both of them that you have to 
just let the coach coach. You have to have fun. You have to be embodied, not like parents don't live vicariously through your kid. We know that we that you you love and we love, right? In the same breath, you have to let the kid express themselves because that is the beauty of sport. It is, it is a canvas. You are your own painter. Let them draw. Let them eat cake. Enjoy, right? And I think that that will help them because full circle, it is the transition into life. You only have an X amount of years, right? I always say that that's the quarter of my life. For the three-fourths of my life, who was Rachel? Who who was George? Right. Who was Kamani? You know, who's Lisa? Who, who, the, it's that. What are you going to do with the remainder of your life? 75% of your life is not going to be on a field. It's right. going to be in, in the corporate life. And then what can you do with that sport to drive you there? So just, you know, enjoy it. Definitely enjoy it. And I think I think that's the whole thing, too. It's like, if you don't love it at the bottom line, if you don't love it, it's... Uh... What's the point, you know? And especially for the kids too, because then they still, it's not like they're getting robbed of their childhood. You know, they're having fun with kids. I'm all for kids having fun, not being scared to go out and play, you know, like that. But um, I want, George, George, fi fi final word to people, like we, final thought that you want to share with us? Yeah, first of all, I want to acknowledge my co-guests because I think what Kam Kamadi is doing and Rachel, particularly for, for women, and I, I just want to apologize because of uh, there was a misnomer that people thought that man meant the exclusion of women. And it wasn't because we found out later on most of our scholarships were given to young ladies. And I want to thank them for what they've, they've done. So, right. uh, panel. No, all right. Fantastic. Thank you so much. Kalani, final word? Um, I want to say it's, you know, it's been a pleasure to be, you know, on the, on the stage with co-hosts. And because these are the faces that we don't see. Who, have, who are passionate, you know, these are the faces that I would clearly, they were coaches with what my daughter, who is two years old, that, like, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Um, I have a two-year-old daughter. Uh, majority of the people who I worked in the train are actually women. A lot of women rugby players, actually. And it's just kind of being able to create that platform um, for them to be their best selves. You know, that's a word that we hear that's kind of being dragged, but I really believe in being your best self. And so... You know, with that being said, you know, I, I hope the two of you keep fighting a good fight. And, you know, it's a pleasure being on this platform. All right. Well, thank you. Um, Rachel, final word? Um, they said it so eloquently. Now I, <laughs> you saved me for last. It kind of trying to finish something up. I'm um, going around, I was going around the panel. <laughs> I know. Uh, I want to thank both of them. And I, I want to, I want them to both still feel encouraged. We all have different backgrounds at different ages, including you, Lisa, right? I think there's just, if we can get 1% better every day, which it seems like what we're doing, our voice does matter, you know, and, and for, I encourage all of us, including myself, this actually gave you the dopamine that I need for the day. Uh, Good, I'm glad. To be our best selves, you know, and I think, um, you know, people need people. So help each other, walk each other home. No, we do it. And, and, and all three of you have helped us a lot with this show and, and definitely made me feel better considering all the craziness going on that I deal with every day. But the, um, I want to thank you so much for being with us, George Martin, uh, Kamani Davis, and Rachel Bretton. Thank you so much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers. And thank you for joining me for Street Soldiers. Remember, use your mind as your best weapon. I hope it's your only weapon. I'm Lisa Evers. Let's push for peace, love, and justice for all.